0: Every day feels like a struggle to be faithful. It's as if no matter how hard I try, I can't keep up. There's always one more thing I have to do. It's another day I fail to get everything done. I'm tired. My head is clouded by the pace of life. My problems pile up. I'm stressed. But I have hope. I know that I have been born again to a living hope, hope that is unfading, imperishable, and unconditional. My hope comes from the Lord. I focus my eyes on Jesus, and as I focus on Him, the cloud begins to disappear. He puts my life into focus and gives me perspective. And I press on with His hope, His joy, and His purpose for my life. And my prayer is this, God help me focus. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to First Peter chapter 5 as we continue uh, in our series working through uh, the letter of 1 Peter. And uh, today's our final sermon in this series. So I hope that you are excited about what God is going to do. We've had a great Day So far, um, you know in our culture uh, it's, it has become more and more popular to um, watch movies about demonic activity and evil things and you know we 've just become more accustomed to it i think and and there 's like this i don 't know maybe there 's just a hunger or just infatuation with things that are of the occult or things that are demonic so there 's TV shows about finding monsters and finding ghosts and You know, you're going to see movies constantly about demon possession and those kinds of things. And, you know, at this time of year, uh, we see it more and more. Obviously, this is the Halloween season. And so, you know, we are, you know, it's normal to dress our two-year-olds up in, you know, evil costumes, right? Evil costumes like this one. And so... That didn't quite have the effect I was going for, but maybe like this one. This one, there you go. That's what I'm, okay. So, so you know, it's, it's cute and cuddly, you know, if you dress appropriately. Uh, but this is kind of what we see from time to time. And so you've got the scary bride and you've got the, you know, I guess she's going to bed with their teddy bear. But my goodness, it's just kind of freaky. And then, of course, the clown. How many of you guys are afraid of clowns just in general? It doesn't have to be scary clowns. It could just be clowns. Yeah, my, I, those clowns are just kind of freaky. But I mean, this is kind of what we see in culture. And, and uh, it's all over, you know, our, our TVs. It's all over, you know, uh, shopping stores and those kinds of things because we're getting ready for Halloween. And so I wanted to start today uh, by by talking about what do we as Christians do with a holiday like Halloween. Um, And I want to start with really how it was created. So let's go back in time a little bit. Where does Halloween actually come from? It's actually over a thousand years old. It actually predates the birth of Christ. And it started with the Druids in Great Britain. And uh, what they did at the end of summer, obviously summer it finishes, this is the new fall season. They would sacrifice to their god, Samhain. And so Sam Hain came at the end of summer every year with evil spirits, and the evil spirits would torment the people. And so uh, the the tradition started to avoid being tormented by these evil spirits. Uh, the people started to dress up in evil demonic type costumes to fool. The evil spirits, and so the evil spirits would be fooled by these, you know, costumes, and so thus the tradition of dressing up this time of year and celebration to their their god, the Lord of Death, is what they called him, and and so out of that was birth this tradition. Now, uh, most of our holidays. Uh, come from a pagan history, so, so we don't have to you know, freak out about that. I know some of you thought it was a Christian you know, holiday, but really Christians came along and just kind of hijacked some of these traditions and, and just kind of inserted some you know, spiritual things to try to you know, uh, take its place, but it, it maybe worked from time to time, but in our culture, um, I, I think the idea of evil spirits, I think the idea of, of just evil in general is, is evident this time of year. And so uh, I think the complications, though, of Halloween go far beyond any pagan roots. In our culture, it's a commercial holiday that even Christians will celebrate. And other than Christmas, Halloween uh, is, ha- is, is the most uh, advertised, and, and we spend the most money um, on that tradition. Outside of Christmas, it's 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 only second. And so we spend a lot of money you know decorating our houses with you know to kind of make it look like a graveyard and and we spend a lot of money dressing ourselves in all these evil, bloody type costumes. And so what do we as Christians really need to do with a ho- with a holiday like this? I mean, I, I think if you've never thought about it, um, then, then I'm definitely going to challenge you today on, on your process of thinking and what you should do with it. And so I would challenge you to ask three questions. And so do you accept it, do you reject it, or do you redeem it? And so by that I mean, number one, do you accept this holiday for what it is? And so you're, you know, the gorier the better for you. And so you're, you're trick-or-treating, your kids are wearing whatever they want to wear, and so it could be evil, it could be bloody, it could be I look like a dead person, whatever it is, you're all for it, you're all in, you love this, this is your favorite holiday, you accept it, change nothing. Or maybe you're a rejected person, and so it's the, you know, it's the devil's birthday, right? So we're not gonna celebrate it, nobody's you know, gonna get candy this year, we're not dressing up, uh, we're afraid of the needles that might be in the Reese cups, and so we're just not going, you know? We're staying away, we're gonna lock ourselves in the closet. Or um, can we, in fact, redeem it? And so by redeem it, I mean, can we as Christians think about this holiday like a missionary, and and can we do things in such a way that we can take what is a pagan, you know, negative, evil-type philosophical holiday, and can we redeem it with the gospel and use it for God's glory? And so I would challenge you to redeem it this year. And I would say that we as Christians uh, must redeem things like this because it, it does us no good to hide away in our homes. You know, 364 days a year, our neighbors stay inside their house, one day out of the year, they come outside and they knock on your door, right? And that is Halloween. And so we can run and hide or we can engage culture and we can redeem this holiday. And so, so I would say you can redeem it in a few ways. Number one, you know, our kids uh, and, and your kids should dress in like positive costumes. And so, so instead of the, 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 the witch and the dead person and the gory, bloody stuff, a more positive type you know, a, a costume like the first picture we saw today is cute and cuddly, right? And so I know it gets harder as your kids get older, but um, I, I think it's important that we redeem this in that way. I think it's also important that we de- redeem it in the way that, that we actually go door to door. And so are we going by ourselves or is, is, is a better option to throw a party and invite your neighbors or to go to a party where all of your neighbors are going to be? And so maybe some people from Foothills are going to come and maybe some of your neighbors are going to come or, or, or just friends who aren't connected to church. And so you can eat together and then as a family and as friends, you can go door to door together. And, and, and that's a challenge that I would encourage you uh, to do because in that you are redeeming this holiday. And you're using it for the glory of God by building relationships and asking questions about church and asking questions about religion and then inviting people to come to your church and then actually sharing the gospel with them. And this is how relationships develop. And so I I would challenge you to to go to a party, throw a party, and use this holiday for God's glory. And then I would also say as a side note, this isn't in the Bible, but as a Christian, you should give away good candy, all right, because you don't want to be known as the You know, the Christian crazy house that gives away those peanut butter, like, wrapped in the black and the orange. Hated those as a kid. Don't be that. Let's give away good candy. Um, Redeem this holiday. So, I think this is important because more than any other time of the year, we see before us a very clear picture of the spiritual battle that we are in as Christians. A lot of times we can hide from the spiritual battle. We can pretend like it doesn't exist. We can surround ourselves and get so busy in what we're doing that we forget the reality that there is a spiritual battle. So the TV shows, the movies that are out right now that are on TV or in the theater are are about paranormal activity, ghosts, demons, all these kinds of things. And it should remind you that there is a spiritual battle taking place. And the spiritual battle, first and foremost is for the souls of your friends, of your neighbors, who without the hope of the gospel will spend an eternity separated from God. And so as a missionary, you and I are called to serve our community by taking the gospel with us. This is a real battle. And I think our scripture today speaks directly to this enemy and this battle. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's look at chapter 5 of 1 Peter, and we're going to start in verse 6 today. He says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around. The devil, he says, he prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, the roar of the lion is to cast fear into your life so that fear would grow. He would want to persecute you. He would want you to experience suffering. And in your suffering, he wants to devour you. He wants to devour your faith. He wants to devour your hope. He wants to devour your joy. In fact, the scripture teaches us in John 10.10 that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy everything good in your life. He wants you to believe his lies. Now, just like Job, remember the, the story in the Old Testament, you're going to face uh, seasons of suffering in your life. Things will take place that will challenge you. It's a trial, and all throughout this letter, we've, we've seen, we've, we've heard Peter say, we've heard God speak to us that in the midst of these trials, we must be alert, we must be ready. He calls us here to, to, to be sober-minded and to be alert for this enemy. The roaring of the devil is the yell of an angry and loud sore loser. And when you reject his lies, you will not be consumed by his bite. And so we're called to resist him, standing firm in our faith. And so that means we're actively fighting. We're actively pushing back the darkness. We're not just, you know, hiding. We're not just, you know, uh, not engaging culture. We're, we're not afraid. No, we're actively fighting against the enemy. Actively pushing back the darkness. So a couple of points here before I go any further. Number one, the devil is real. The devil is real. The Bible calls him Satan. It's his personal name. He's the head of all demons. And the Hebrew word for Satan literally means the adversary. And so his goal is to seal, kill, and destroy. Now God created angels, angelic beings to serve his purposes uh, in the beginning. And at some point... One of the angels, Lucifer, decided that he was not going to serve God anymore and he wanted to get some attention for himself. And the moment he tried to uh, stop worship towards the one true God and receive that worship for himself, God cast him out of heaven and to the earth. And so you might want to jot down Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel 28 if you want to read more about that story. But when that took place, one-third of all the angels sided with Satan. And so those became the demons that followed him. And, And so we know him now as the dragon, the enemy, the devil, the tempter, the murderer. The Bible calls him the father of lies. Calls him the accuser, the destroyer, and the evil one. So he will try to tempt you. He will try to cause suffering in your life and trials in your life. He will try anything to keep you in bondage, to blind you from the gospel. He'll use fear and guilt and shame, sickness, envy, and pride to try to keep you from God's will in your life. Secondly, you've got to realize that you are in a spiritual battle. You're in a spiritual war. Picture yourself in the plains of Africa right now. And you can hear the prowling roar of a lion encircling your camp. Now, the lion is scary, not because he's prowling around necessarily, not because he is growling at you. He's scary because he's powerful. And unless you have something that is more powerful than he, you're a goner. So you need a gun, right? If I had a gun, not so worried, you know, or if if I'm with somebody that's slower than me, then I'm not as worried, right? Because then I can just take off and... He's in trouble, right? No. So, so the devil is roaring fear at you. He's saying, be afraid. You're alone. He's saying God isn't listening. He's saying nobody cares. And so we realize that we are in a war. But the scripture here tells us in verse 8 to be sober and to be on alert. Not because this lion is sneaking up on us. No, he's, he, we, we know he's there. He's, he's growling at us, right? We need to be alert and sober-minded. This is the point, that you would not, in this war, in this battle, be drunk or distracted. Because it's a serious matter to be on alert. You need, If you are not ready, you are not focused. And so the time and the theme of this letter has been to be ready, to be alert. You're going to face suffering. Suffering is a part of our journey. The enemy is going to use suffering to try to destroy you. He's going to use suffering and persecution to try to tempt you, to tempt you to walk away from God, to think that God's not listening, to think that God's not in control. You're going to walk away from church, potentially. You'll walk away from faith if you're not careful, if you're, if, if you're, going to, if you're not focused on the right things. And so, so here's the deal. like The enemy is, is seeking to devour you, but God will empower and so that's the hope. We've talked about, okay, this is the reality. It's dark, spiritual battle. It's real. But the hope is this, and here's the main idea for it today. If you're taking notes, like the enemy wants to devour, but God will empower. And So I want to talk about how he, in fact, empowers us today. And before we go any further, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Because there's a, an important passage of scripture here I'm sure you're familiar with. But I want us to grasp it again today. It's in Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10. Paul tells the Ephesian church, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So he says, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So that means that our battle is not against each other. Our battle is not against us, against the politicians. Our battle is not this race against that race. Our battle is a spiritual battle. We get sidetracked when we think that we are the enemies. We get sidetracked in our culture. We see this spiritual battle almost every week. The problems in our country, yes, leadership, yes, more laws, yes, there's lots of things we could talk about, but ultimately, laws are broken, leaders are flawed. We are facing a spiritual battle in America. Every single social problem that we experience today has its root in this spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood. He says that we are in a battle against the rulers and authorities, those who are in the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so there is a heavenly place. The heavenly places is the spiritual battle that we don't often see, that we sometimes just wanna forget about. And it's why some of you won't go see scary movies. You won't go see that possession-type movie, and I don't, I mean, that's great, but the reason is not because you're not entertained. The reason is you're afraid. And so the reality is, yes, there is a spiritual battle in the heavenly places, and we know this exists. We can feel it. We can see it. Things happen that you can't explain. You could probably look back to this week or this month and say, X, Y, or Z took place, and you know what? I can't explain it. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how this took place. I don't know how I got this job. I don't know how I did this, how this happened. I just can't explain it. Well, that's the reality, that there is a spiritual force that is taking place all around us. And so as he says this, he says, be strong. Our battle is not against each other. It's against the dark forces of this evil realm. And what he says is when Christians suffer, when we are persecuted by the devil, by design, the devil wants to destroy, he wants to devour, but God's plan is to empower. And so with that in mind, I want us to, uh, I think we have 2 Corinthians 10, or maybe, maybe we don't, just listen to this, 2 Corinthians 10, says that we don't fight with the weapons of this world, for though we live in the world, he says, this is verse 3, we do not wage war, as the world does, so we're in this battle, we're in this fight, but we don't fight like the world fights. We don't fight like with with actual weapons and you know actual guns and bombs and and and, and laws. No, he says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so he a, a few verse. Uh, 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 Words later, he says, so what that means is we take every thought captive. Our weapons are not of the flesh. We don't wage war with the same weapons. And so how do we wage war? How do we fight? How do we, how do we win against the enemy? Well, a couple of points here today. First and foremost, we turn to the name of Jesus, number one. Turn to the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in his name. He says here to humble yourself. If you flip back over to verse six, he says to humble yourself under God's hand. So if we're gonna humble ourselves under the hand of God, it means that we are submitting to the authority of Christ. It means that we are submitting to him by faith. We are saying, I trust and turn to the name of Jesus because it's the power of salvation. And so we turn to him. We will never live a victorious life We will never overcome the enemy in this life apart from faith and turning to the name of Jesus. Here's a few verses about the name of Jesus. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus had sent out 72 disciples to go and to share the gospel. And they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. They come back in this spiritual battle. They're they're, they're experiencing people who are possessed by demons, they are, they're experiencing this, this oppression from demonic, dark forces. But the disciples come back and say, they are subject to us because of your name, Lord, because of the name of Jesus, not because of our name, because of his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Demons have no power over believers, by the way. They, they might oppress you, but they can never possess you. And that's, that's important because you have the Holy Spirit of God within you. You have the power of the name of Jesus at hand. He lives within you. You have control. They are subject to you and I. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That means if we truly turn from our sin, And receive Christ by faith. We will be saved. It's by his name. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Peter said, I don't have any money. I I don't have any gold. I don't have any silver. But what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. You see there's power in the name of Jesus. I can't buy this healing for you. I can't fix you. But I serve a God that is in control and who is sovereign and has dominion over all things. And his name is Jesus. What a a powerful name, church. Say the name of Jesus with me. Ready? Jesus. Let's say it again. Jesus. Yeah. And there's power in his name. And so when I pray, I am praying in the name and power of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, The name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All people will bow their knees before the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in his name. Secondly, we pray in the power of Jesus So we turn to the name of Jesus and we pray in the power of Jesus. Look at verse 7 again. He says, Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How do we cast our anxiety upon Jesus? Well, we pray. And so a prayerless life is a sign of a prideful life. Because when you are prideful before God, you say essentially, God, I've got this figured out. Don't need you. Good to go today. Don't really want to think about you. Don't want to worship you. Everything is is in my control today, Lord. No, thank you. Have a good day. Now, worry is also a sign of a prideful life. If there's worry and anxiety in your life today, it is a sign of pride. It is a sin in our life. According to a Forbes article, doctors write nearly 50 million prescriptions for anxiety related conditions. You see, if you allow fear to set into your heart, you will allow the sin of disbelief to fill your heart and your mind. And when your faith is weakened by that and and you're not trusting in the Lord, you'll start to worry. And as you start to worry, that anxiety grows within you. And then as that anxiety grows within you, 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 you stop trusting the Lord, you stop seeking him, And you start trusting in yourself. God, you're not showing up like you need to show up. You're not doing what I think you need to be doing here. So I guess it's all on my shoulders. Thanks a lot, but I'm going to go and do it. And so if I worry about it and I think about it and I cast all this anxiety on myself, then then I'll figure it out. I don't need you, God. I got it under control. Listen, if your faith is weak, you're going to worry all the time. Instead of allowing your mind to think about all those bad things that might happen, Or that could happen, he calls us to cast our concerns upon God in prayer. Now, um, recently I've struggled with this, just to be honest with you. Like this fall has been one thing after another for me. And so whether whether it's been a family situation or um, kind of how God has grown and is growing our church, Things change with leadership and adding staff, and so so as that happens, it just becomes more and more stressful. You guys know this when you're, when your organization grows. I think the biggest thing for me it has been the construction project like like we 've constructed we've built this is on a whole nother level, and so so I found myself like up really late at night, I find myself waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to go back to sleep and just thinking about things and, and writing things down and and, and, and part of that's my personality, but part of it for me was just, you know, a, a season of just really worry. And, and so I was convicted working through this book, actually. And, and so I'm working through 1 Peter, I'm reading this, and God's like, Trent, you've got so much anxiety about these situations. And so I'm just feeling this. And, and, and so I finally, I just took my journal one day. I opened it up, and I was like, all right, this, this, this is not good. So I just listed every single thing that i was worried about and i just made this list and then i began to pray and cast all of that anxiety that i felt over those situations to the lord and it took me a while because the list was the list was long specifically as relates to the building and god we're trying to do this but i'm i'm casting all my anxiety in the name of jesus i'm casting this upon you take this off of me god it it is not healthy it is not what i want i want to serve you god i want to cast all of this anxiety all of this pride upon uh, upon you because I cannot carry this, and you you call me not to carry this. You're in control, and I did that for 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 a long time. All of these things, and when I did that, man, I I felt so much better. I felt closer to the Lord, and I felt a release. And then I went to the elders and I confessed it to them, and I said, guys, I've been I've been struggling with anxiety. I've been struggling with this worry. And I I talked to him about this list, and I asked him to pray for me, and and they did, and we prayed together, and then they started confessing things. And and, and I'm just reminded that the enemy wants us to take all of these problems and worry and things in our life, and he wants us to store it up in our chest here and in our heart, and he wants us to, to carry it by ourselves. And he wants us to think that nobody else understands. He wants us to think that nobody else struggles with these kinds of things. I'm the only idiot in the room that struggles with these. I would be too embarrassed to say what I'm struggling with. But the reality is when we bring things into the light, God heals us. There's healing in confession. There's healing in casting our anxiety upon the Lord because he cares for you. And so I want to encourage and challenge you guys to pray in the power of of the name of Jesus, and cast that anxiety upon him. And you may do it one day, but you're going to have to do it the next day as well, and that's going to have to be a pattern and a habit in your life that you're constantly casting these burdens and these worries uh, from your life onto the Lord. Now, I didn't do this in the first service, but I want to turn to Psalm 127, if you've got your Bibles, because in this season, for me, I'm, I'm reading through Psalms, And it's always interesting, like when you systematically read through a book of the Bible, how things come up just at the right time. And so Psalm 127, as I was reading through the book of Psalms, um, came up right at the right time. Here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. In other words, the only way that anything is built or is successful is through the sovereignty and power of God. He says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In other words, the watchman doesn't have any control to save the city. The city is in the hands of God and in his sovereignty. It's only successful, again, it's only successful if God deems it to be successful. And then it says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, For he gives to his beloved sleep. (laughs) When you're awake at 3.30 in the morning (laughs) and you read that, it's like a body slam from the Holy Spirit. But it feels so good, right? It feels so, like God's speaking directly to you. Some of you, I think, need to hear that. You probably need to read this on your own. Take some notes. Confess some sin. Cast some anxiety. Some of you are eating the bread of anxious toil. Oh, I got to do this and I got to do this. And if I don't do this, then my kids are going to end up in jail. (laughs) And if I I don't do this at work, then everybody's going to hate me. And I don't know how this is going to happen. And we got to pay the bills. And oh, I got to. It may even lead you to the doctor. You may be even on prescription medication. And so, what I'm saying is, there's healing in casting your anxiety upon the Lord. And some of you came just for that today, all right? Psalm 127, stop eating the bread of anxious toil. It's keeping you up at at night. It's waking you up early. It's keeping you up late at night. The devil wants to devour. God will empower you. So we stand firm in our faith. So number three, how do we do this? We trust in the word of Jesus. So we trust in the word of Jesus. Verse nine says to stand firm in your faith. So how do we stand firm in our faith? Well, I would say that we stand firm by trusting the word of Jesus. And so the word of God's word, the Bible, we stand upon it. It builds our faith. It grows our faith. It allows us to be strengthened. It allows us to be strong. And so we read it. We consume it. We learn about it. We hear about it. It's a part of our daily life. And and through that relationship with his word, our strength grows. Our faith grows. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, when, when we read chapter 6 of Ephesians, we see that, that we're to put on the full armor of God. And so he talks about the belt of truth and the shield of faith. And so the only offensive weapon he talks about is the sword of the Spirit. And what is the sword of the Spirit? The word of God. So the sword is the only offensive weapon to defeat the enemy. We've got the shield of faith, we've got the belt of truth. I feel like some people in the room are fighting a fight with you know, the shield that they're standing behind. And like the enemy is attacking, the world is attacking, and you're just like, ooh, 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 ooh. You're not fighting back. Like the sword of the Spirit is how you fight back. You fight Back those thoughts with the word of God. You fight back those emotions with the word of God. You fight back your experiences and your suffering with the word of God. Trust it, lean into it, and and, and he will grow and and, and allow your faith to be firm, strong. And then finally, we embrace the victory of Jesus. We embrace the victory of Jesus. Now, last night I was ready to embrace the victory of UC football. Anybody else ready to embrace that? I thought it was going to happen. It didn't. Um, and that's what sports will do too, you know? That's why we love sports. Because we want to win, we think we're going to win, and then you never know how it's going to end up. And, and, and that excitement and that feeling of not knowing, it can break your heart, but it can, it can give you the best feeling in the world. And that's why we love it. When it comes to embracing the victory of Jesus, though, It's not like this thing that, oh, I hope he makes the field. Oh, I hope Jesus comes to, oh, I hope. It's not that kind of anxiousness like we're not sure he's going to get victory or we're not sure he's going to give me victory. No, the word of God says we are already victorious. He has already won. He already defeated death and sin. And so there is no, I hope this happens. It's going to happen. Look at the verse again. In verse six, he says to humble yourself so that at the proper time, he will what? Say it again. Say it louder. He will exalt you, right? So that means that we're only in this for a season. He says in verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, after you've suffered a little while. So here's the deal. Yes, you're going to experience suffering. Yes, you're going to experience persecution in this world. But it's only for a season. It's only for a little while. He calls you to humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. Seek him in prayer. Seek the name of Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus. Seek him in his word. And as you do... You begin to walk in the victory of Jesus. You embrace it, you live it, you walk with it. He says, all your brothers around the world are experiencing the same kind of trouble. So don't feel like you're all alone, you're not. You're not the only one. You're not the only one dealing with this. You're not the only one struggling with this. People all over the world are experiencing the same temptation and struggles and trials that you and I are today. And so that should give us hope hope for a brighter day, hope hope that tomorrow is gonna get better, hope that maybe God lifts this burden from me tomorrow because I know it's only for a season. I know there's light at the end of the tunnel. I know that even though the devil wants to devour me in this situation, God is empowering me. As I seek him and I run to him and I experience him, yes, Satan has power, but he has no power over Christians because you have been delivered already forever from Satan's kingdom of darkness to Jesus's kingdom of light. So the promise in verse 10 is that after a little while, he's going to restore you. He's gonna confirm you. He's gonna strengthen you. He's gonna establish you. Why? Verse 11, because to him be dominion forever. That means he's in control. He is sovereign of eternity, of our past, of our present, of our future trusting the plan of Jesus embracing this victory in Jesus you see in a war there are a lot of many there are a lot of battles many battles are fought in a war you're going to win some battles you're going to lose some battles but we embrace suffering as a battle that we will ultimately win. Every step of the way, your God is faithful. Every step of the way, He's growing you and giving you strength and giving you courage to live another day so we don't lose hope. We don't give in. The roar of the lion is scary, but you can look Him in the eye and say, my God is faithful to the end. Amen, church? Amen? Let's give Him a word of praise this morning. Let's stand to our feet and let's sing to Him. He is there every step of our journey today.